We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Welcome to ROG. Today's special guest is Natalie Walton. She's the CEO of Expectful, the go-to wellness app for growing families. She has spent the last decade in leadership roles at Airbnb, Google, and eBay. Natalie has her MBA from Stanford Graduate School of Business and a BA in economics from Georgetown University. She lives in San Francisco with her husband, Max, and one-year-old son, Everett. Welcome to ROG. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. Ah, great. I'm excited to have you and to learn from you and your experiences. Why don't we start off with you just telling us a little bit about who you are? There's so many places we could start, but I'm this person that has always had this entrepreneurial inkling. It has taken about over a decade to blossom. So I started my career out of college in finance. I was an analyst at JP Morgan, following a pretty traditional career path. One day in um, the spring of 2009, I received an email from Stanford's Graduate School of Business. And it was an email inviting me to come out to Stanford, Palo Alto, California to go on a prospective students weekend. I thought to myself, wow, this is a really interesting opportunity. I don't like working in banking um, and I can't see myself doing this for the rest of my life. So it's probably time for me to explore something a little different. And so I went out to, uh, to Stanford that weekend and it was in that, that those few days where I was introduced to entrepreneurship. And for the first time in my life, I saw people doing what they were passionate about and they were successful in, in doing their passions. And I was like, wow, there is another path in life. I don't have to do, do finance for the rest of my life. I don't have to do consulting. I don't have to do marketing. I can actually make my own path. And it was at that moment in time where I was determined that I needed to find a way to get into Stanford. I was accepted into Stanford and really just got immersed into entrepreneurship. Now, the funny thing is that, you know, I actually, I didn't take the entrepreneurial path right out of business school. At the time in 2012, there weren't many people that looked like me in entrepreneurship. I'm, I'm a black female and entrepreneurship at that time was very white. It was very male. And so I wanted to do a little bit of a safer route. And so I spent the next decade working my way up in roles at eBay, Google, and Airbnb. And it wasn't really until last year where I made the leap into entrepreneurship. So uh, what's interesting is is I'm now the CEO of a company called Expectful, and we are the leading meditation and sleep app for hopeful expecting and new moms. I came to my role actually as a user first. So I, I used Expectful during my own pregnancy in 2019. In the spring of 2020, I had the opportunity to advise Expectful. It was in that experience of advising Expectful that I got to know the company and ultimately made my way into becoming the, the CEO and a late stage co-founder. And so there's always been an inkling of, of entrepreneurship, but it took a long time to nurture. And, and here I am um, now leading a, a company in a space that's really exciting to me. That's incredible. And I want to talk about two things related to what you just said. One is your gratitude for Mark, the previous CEO, and the unknowing that you had that he was 
interested in stepping down and how this was just such a perfect avenue to channel your strengths and passions. What do you want to tell us about Mark and how that transpired? Yeah, Mark is probably the most compassionate person that I've ever met. And he's a wonderful human being. So Mark started Expectful because his own mother struggled with depression when she was pregnant and and it had a really lasting impact on Mark's life. And so Mark wanted to create a company to solve this problem so that other people wouldn't have to experience this. And basically how Mark created the company is he did a significant amount of work and research with PhD students and doctors to understand the impacts of meditation on pregnancy and early parenthood. And so that's where Mark created this company. And it's such a beautiful, compassionate way of starting the company. And Mark is a male. And I think that it's really, it's really challenging to create a company that's designed for women in fertility, pregnancy, and parenthood if you don't have that experience. I think he did an excellent job of, of doing it. It really takes a special human being to see that other person perspective. But ultimately, I, I think he was looking for someone to that had the lived experience of what it's like. And so when I started this advisor role, I had no idea that he was looking for someone to perhaps take over the company. But it was just uh, one of the, those most natural relationships where things clicked. And here I am now leading the company. And um, I, I think the thing that I take away from this, and it's something I would love to share with listeners, is that if there's a, a product, a company, or something that really interests you, is, is this take that leap of faith and reach out and just explore and see what opportunities exist. Because I just happened to see this job posting for a partnerships role at Expectful. I, I just was like curious. That's all I was. I was curious. Look at where my curiosity led me. And so I think that's a great attribute to have. Oh, I do too. And to think that Mark Krasner just looked for a solution to a problem that he witnessed somebody that he cared about having and said, I'm going to figure it out. And then he was open enough to find the right partners. And when the two of you met, sounds like it was just meant to be. The word compassion is so rich. And what you're expressing here is about how can we lean into our compassion and find a solution and not just have empathy, but really look for ways in which we can help. And then your other uh, recommendation here is to ask and to stay curious, right? Like, don't be afraid of what you're interested in. Lean into it, get curious about it, find out about it, because your curiosity led you to this place, which is clearly where you belong. One of the things that I love in your recent Vogue magazine article, congrats on that, beautiful article, you share your personal experience and that Black women die in childbirth at a rate of three to four times more than white women. What can you teach us about that? Yeah, this is something that as a Black woman, before I I gave birth or before I was pregnant, I I was really well aware of the fact that Black women had a different experience in pregnancy and had different outcomes. I think if you look back at Serena Williams, who wrote a, a, a lovely article in Vogue about her experience, I think Beyonce had struggles and, and there's so many amazing Black women that have, have come forward with their experience about childbirth. And so, I, you know, I, my radar was up that as a Black woman, like I probably have a difficult experience in childbirth, at least I should be prepared for that. And it was really my own personal experience that really helped me illuminate that the reality of being a Black woman in pregnancy, it's really dismal. It's due to unconscious bias. It's due to inherent racism in the system. 
Oftentimes, doctors don't accept a, a lot of the symptoms that Black women report. They discount the symptoms. There's a lot of research showing that doctors don't view when, when a Black woman says that she's in, they don't take it as seriously as if a white woman says that she is in pain. And that leads to really negative outcomes. And the sad part about this is that a lot of my peers, and, and they, they come from the best place, when I share my story, a lot of them told me after the fact that they thought it was due to inequities and in, income inequities or educational inequities. And that is not the case whatsoever. I mean, you could be Serena Williams or Beyonce and still have the struggle. And it's actually, the reality is that it's due to inherent racism in in the system. And so I'm happy that I have shared my voice and my experience with that because I have a a degree from Stanford University, a a graduate degree, and still a lot of my concerns were were discounted and ultimately led to having like a pretty complicated pregnancy and and birth. And so, I I mean, I think there's just so many examples that people that have the education, they have the resources, they still experience this. And so, I mean, what enlightened me was like, man, I, I can't imagine like what it would be like if I didn't have the resources to get a second, a third opinion if, if I didn't have the support of a doula, which I was able to hire. And so it's a pretty challenging experience being a, a Black woman in pregnancy. One of the things actually, just getting back to like generosity and leadership, one of the first things that I did when I came on to Expectful was I actually created a meditation pack for Black women that are pregnant. And this is like a free meditation pack that anyone can listen to. So like a Black woman is, is experiencing the challenges during pregnancy, she can just download this this meditation pack and have something to comfort her going through the experience of like, you know, just being discounted and not valued. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing that with us and making us more aware and sensitive. What are the components of the system that enables that to perpetuate and how can we be a voice for change? Because that is literally a matter of life and death in addition to it being an inequity and an an absolute injustice. So how do we find the solutions. And I love your solution because you're saying, look, I don't know that I can change the whole medical system, but what I can do is influence the minds and the bodies of these women who are holding these children. And how can I give them a place for calm and support and love and really give them that, that refuge from the fear that I'm sure, you know, every pregnant mom has fear and you're saying it is exponentially greater when you're a black female and you know that what the statistics are and you're not being listened to one of the challenges that you were experiencing while you were pregnant with Everett were just you know these these fears and concerns and then also sleep challenges right like insomnia and how can you educate us on what that was like and what kinds of solutions you thought were were helpful and just why sleep is so important. Everett is now 15 months old and it's been probably about a good 20 months since I've had like a great night's sleep, which is incredible. I, and, and he sleeps through the night. He sleeps 12 hours a night. Uh, so it's, it's not him, it's me. It's really interesting because sleep deprivation really begins in pregnancy. And oftentimes it's due to hormones, but it's also due to just the state that we're living in. So we surveyed 1,000 pregnant and new moms, and we saw that 68% of pregnant and new moms are experiencing insomnia and sleep-related anxiety, which is just crazy to me that two out of three pregnant and new moms have difficulty sleeping because this is a time where you have to 
take care of yourself. And you also, you know, shortly thereafter have to take care of a a new human being, which is uh, one of the biggest jobs that anyone will have. So what's interesting to me is, and I can speak to this like from the user perspective, is meditation is a way to help combat insomnia. The importance of meditation as it impacts sleep is that oftentimes a big part of the reason pregnant and new moms can't sleep is just because of their minds and and the anxiety of what's going on. I think in pregnancy, there's a lot of worry about like, is my baby okay? But even after that transition, there's a lot of research that say that it takes about around two years for their sleep to recalibrate. And oftentimes that is just around anxiety. It's like you, you're you worrying, like, is, is my baby still breathing? Um, um, are they sleeping? Are they going to wake up? Are they teething? And so for me personally, meditation is something that has helped me get back to that state that I need to be in. The meditation had such a tremendous impact on improving my sleep. And it's something I would recommend to anyone that struggles with insomnia. When we come back, Natalie shares about generosity at work through listening and holding space. Introducing the brand new QuadPod Podcast Network. At QuadPod, we have a variety of podcasts that are as unique as you are. Visit QODPOD.com. The QuadPod Podcast Network. That's QODPOD.com. And we're back with more from Natalie Walton. I just have the privilege of working on a product that delivers a lot of happiness. And I I guess in many ways, I mean, it's a a life-changing product for a lot of people. And so it's such a privilege to be in a position where when I wake up and I get user feedback that, wow, this had such a positive impact on my life, that that's something that creates a lot of joy for me. But in terms of seeing generosity in my organization, it's really about creating products for people that need it the most. And I'd say that how I do that and how our team does that is, is we really do try to be excellent listeners. So we listen to our community and some, sometimes it's really tough to listen to our users in our community. For example, we recently did a partnership with an amazing author and doctor. Her name is Dr. Jessica Zucker. And she recently published a book called I Had a Miscarriage. And we did an Instagram live with Dr. Zucker where we talked about miscarriage. In that IG live, I had so many people asking these questions. They they said, I just had a miscarriage yesterday. Like I'm struggling and can you please help me? Like, and asking these really, these questions that I wasn't prepared for. I was absorbing their pain and, and I felt so much for them. I think one of the ways that we're generous is, is by holding the space to have those conversations because people need to have those difficult conversations. They need these resources. And sometimes it's, it's painful for us, but I, I think like we're most generous in that we listen to our users and provide a, an avenue to have conversations about things where people just aren't having conversations about. I mean, I think so much of fertility, pregnancy, and parenthood is difficult for people because they don't, no one really talks about it. Like if you're having challenges with fertility, oftentimes people are ashamed to talk about it. Or if you, you know, are having trouble as a new mom, like you might feel embarrassed. Like, why am I not, why am I not successful in this? And so I I think you could be generous just by holding space and, and listening. 
Absolutely. And and it makes me think about when we encourage organizations and create organizations where we say, bring your full self to work. We really want you to bring your full self to work. Part of our full selves is life outside of work, our personal lives, our challenges in our relationships, our challenges with parenthood, if that is an avenue that anyone wants to pursue and the challenges of pursuing that and just physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and all of the realities of life that challenge us outside of the responsibilities in our work. And you're saying we meet you where you are. We create a space for you to speak from your heart. We listen. We seek to try to offer solutions to some of those challenges that we can do something about. And, you know, loving people into a a place of acceptance of where they are and knowing that they're not alone. Our team is diverse. We're growing a lot. So I I can't remember the latest ratio, but probably about 75% of our team has children under two. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, we have a lot of empathy for what it's like to be a parent. And my hope is for more organizations to invest in parents and to support them. There's actually like a lot of research around how parents are some of the most um, impactful employees just because of the fact that, you know, we have such limited time and we really have to ruthlessly prioritize. And so I think that in building a generous culture, it's, it's, seeking out having parents and seeking out people that have those experiences because they'll be able to create better processes for other parents. But also just the more diverse perspectives you have in a company, the better your company will be. For sure. And I can imagine that in an organization like yours, there's an emphasis on flexibility for all of these working parents, particularly with these young children. What can you teach us about creating a a flexible work environment, especially now as we're considering the go back to work or that maybe hybrid model of in-person and virtual work? Yeah. So to begin, our company, it's an entirely remote company that provides a lot of flexibility for people to, to begin with. It's like, you don't have to come into the office. One way that I think about that is having a mentality. It's like, I don't care the hours that you work. I just care that you know you do your job. And that's something that I, fortunately, at Google, I was able to have that mentality from myself and my team. It's something I'm able to carry over here in, in our startup environment. And so that that's one way that I let people have that flexibility because childcare now is really difficult. If you're not flexible here, you're not going to survive. So I think just adopting whatever you can, whether it's remote work, flexible hours, and just focusing more on the output rather than the structural guidelines of like how it gets done. It it doesn't matter how it gets done. It just matters if it gets done. That's great counsel. If any of us are stuck in a more traditional way of organizing a workday, your recommendation is to get curious about how you could make it work and what is possible. And I think that that empowerment and flexibility and freedom is going to bring out the best in people because they'll appreciate knowing that they can have time for both and not have that burden of having to be on call at a specific time. So what are some of the benefits that you have seen to generosity? How would you describe the return on generosity in your experience? Yeah, for me... I think the return on generosity is just actually it's maybe it's selfish, but it, it's my own happiness. I really do believe in helping people live their most fulfilled lives and investing in them. It makes me so much happier. After that IG live where we were discussing miscarriage, I just the feedback that I got from people about creating that space 
that was so powerful because it's like, I, I'm just one person. I'm just one human. But if I can impact someone's life in a positive way, then I mean, can you think of anything personally that's more rewarding? I can. And so so I think like the benefit and the return is is actually it's selfish. It's for me. I mean, that that's one thing. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, it's, it's almost like a drug. It's like, if you're helping people, you want to help more. It's, so it's contagious. If you're creating a culture where you are inspiring and you are holding space and you're making a difference in people's lives, it, it just leads to overall retention. My organization is specifically focused on doing this for a segment like our, I guess you could say we're mission driven. And I just think about like, you know, how can you do this at a company that's maybe not mission driven? Maybe it's something where your product is selling something that you don't like. Not everyone gets to work on something that excites them. And there's still ways that you can bring generosity into to what you're doing. And so I think it's just trying to find out whatever you're doing of how you can make a difference in someone's life. It's counterintuitive because you think, okay, if I want to be happier, I should invest in myself. There's also truth in when we're giving, we get so much energy and then that's the fuel that we get joy from. And so, yeah, I think it is ultimately selfish, which is the law of reciprocity is that we're giving so that we can be supportive, but then we get so much energy and value in return. And then that retention piece that you mentioned is also really significant because most people want to work for an organization that they believe in. And even if it's a product that you don't necessarily like, but but you know that it's a place where you can support your colleagues or you can, you know, be a listening ear or you could be a real friend to someone or maybe you could share some of your own knowledge and experience in a way that's helpful to someone else. That's really rewarding. So what is your favorite motto or mantra or something that you lean on for guidance in your life to keep you focused and on point? I am a huge fan of the classics. And and when I mean the classics, I mean going way back. Life is long enough and a sufficiently generous amount has been given to us for the highest achievements if it were all well invested. But when it is wasted in heedless luxury and spent on no good activity, we are forced at last by death's final constraint to realize that it has passed away before we knew it was passing. That's one of my favorite quotes by Seneca. And it's just, I, I, th- I really believe that he's right. Like I, I think about how much time I've wasted on social media, um, how much time I've wasted in my life. And if I really think about like prioritizing and getting out all of the unnecessary stuff, like I actually have a good amount of time. I can do a lot with my time. We don't value time as our most precious resource. And it is like, we can make more money, but we'll never get back enough time. Our clock is going to all, it's going to run up at some point. And we don't know when that is. So use every day to the best that we can. And so that, that is how I live my life. When I returned back to work after Matt leave, I, I just, I decided that I wanted something different for, for a variety of reasons. I was fortunate that I had like about a half dozen offers in front of me. And, and one of them was this offer at Expectful. I, again, I, I, I I think I, I said like I wasn't even looking for this. It, it naturally turned into this. And I was really at the point where I was going to continue on the same corporate path that I've been down my entire life I, for something a little bit shinier, a little bit more prestigious. I just really had that. I had to look back at this quote and think, you know, what am I doing with my life? Like, I mean, I really felt, and and this is advice that I got from one of my advisors was that the path that I had been on was one that will always be there. Like I knew how to do it. I could always back to, it was like the sixth train. It comes every five minutes. 
So if there's ever a time where I was going to get off and try something new, like now's the time to try. And so, so that's kind of really helped me feel comfortable taking the leap is knowing that whatever I've already done before, it will still be there. And like, you know, I, I can go back, but these kind of like opportunities to, to lead a company, they're kind of a once in a lifetime thing. And so when an opportunity presents itself, take it because it might not come back in the future. Oh my gosh. Profound advice. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I'm grateful to the person who encouraged you to do that because there's so much benefit in you being in this role for you personally and for all the people that you get to impact. So if you're going to leave our listeners with yet another piece of wisdom or advice, what what would you encourage us to think about and do? It is critical to help your team find their greater purpose. Even if it means that they'll eventually leave your organization, that might be a difficult pill to swallow is that you might be investing in people to eventually leave. As I've seen in in my career path, it's like a career path. It can be long and, and those people will come back and be powerful in a way that you never knew was possible. And then your relationship will evolve. Yes. Oh, that's great. That's our job is to give them wings and let them fly. And you're right. They, they might eventually fly back if that's what is meant for them. Thank you so much. And I want to encourage our listeners to check out your organization. There's all kinds of links in the show notes for you to enjoy. It's expectful.com. And they have a beautiful Instagram page. If you're an Instagram user, it's if you go on instagram.com and look up expectful, you'll see this gorgeous tapestry of photographs of pregnant women and babies and all this beautiful stuff. Thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful conversation. Likewise, Natalie, thank you for all that you're doing and for investing your time with us today. Thank you. ROG takeaway tip, how to apply what we've learned to our own work and lives. Natalie shared so many interesting insights about the value of following your interests, the upside of taking risk and making new connections, the importance of listening, really listening to others, and the necessity for self-care. Two key takeaway tips to challenge ourselves with this week. Number one, sleep. Number two, holding space and listening. Number one, sleep. Matthew Walker is an English scientist and professor of neurology and psychology at the University of California, Berkeley. He's a sleep scientist. The National Sleep Association recommends an average of eight hours of sleep per night for adults. We've heard that. Matthew Walker says that too many people are falling short of this mark. He is quoted as saying, human beings are the only species that deliberately deprive themselves of sleep for no apparent gain. Once you drop below seven hours, they can measure the objective impairments in your brain and your body. The shorter you sleep, the shorter your life. Short sleep predicts all-cause mortality. So how to improve sleep hygiene? Number one is to create a sleep schedule. Two is to increase your total sleep, aiming for eight hours. Three, add exercise to your routine. And four, find ways to relax. Check out Matthew's talks in the show notes. Number two, holding space and listening. Natalie shared about the importance of creating and holding space for important conversations, especially the hard ones. What are recent conversations that you've had where you held space for someone? A coworker, direct report, family member, neighbor, friend? What did you learn about the person that you connected with? When you listen, are you really listening? 
How well do you refrain from assuming that you know what the person's going to say? How aware are you of your own judgment and bias? If you've dismissed something that someone has said recently, what information did you miss? Do you need to circle back, apologize, listen again? In a recent executive team discussion, one leader said, some of the team members said that if we don't fix this, they're going to leave. And subsequently, one key member of the team resigned today. I wonder how willing we are to believe the things that we hear. When has somebody held space for you? How did you use the space provided? If that hasn't happened in a while, or maybe you feel like that's never happened, who would be someone to hold space for you? What would you be willing to explore if that space were held open to you with acceptance and love? How helpful would it be for you to be heard, accepted, and supported? Try it and see for yourself. So this week, let's challenge ourselves on these two things. Number one, sleep, and two, holding space and listening. Whatever time you need to get up, count backwards by eight hours. That's the time you need to go to sleep. It may take a while to build this habit, but try it. Consistency is essential. Get up at the same time every day, even on the weekends, and aim for eight hours whenever possible. Holding space. In the conversations that you have this week, be mindful of holding space for others. Actively listen to what they're saying and not saying. Calm the impulse to craft your response or make up the rest of the story before you actually hear it. Be with the other person in that moment and savor the connection. You never know what you might learn and you'll absolutely make that person feel seen. So until next week, stay rested, curious, and generous, everyone. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.